Turn in your Bible to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 30. The book of 1 Samuel. I love Wednesday night because we just get right into the Word and let the Word speak for itself. I know a lot of people, I'm just not one of the, the kind of ministers that can read one verse and just talk for an hour and a half about it. I mean, I can, you know, expound upon it, but I let the Word speak for itself. Amen. That's why we... We, we give you lots of scripture around here. Amen. I had a phrase just rolling around in my spirit today. And um, we're going to share along that line. And um, let me just say this, just in, in preface. Many times in life, you have to learn how to encourage yourself. As a believer, as an individual believer, you have to learn to encourage yourself. And there's not going to be a time, there's going to be a time when maybe there's not someone there to encourage you. You might not be able to call the 1-800 prayer line. You may not be able to reach out and call somebody. But you can always encourage yourself. I've always said you have to be your own best cheerleader. What does that mean? That means that you have to, here's the way I look at it too. No one cares about your life as much as you do. So if you, if you care about your life, then you're going to pray. You're going to seek God. You're going to do whatever it takes to bring yourself into another place. And so don't depend on other people. Thank God that we can Thank God, even as I read the, the verse about not forsaking the assembling yourselves together, but exhorting one another daily. Thank God that we can exhort one another. We can encourage one another. But more than that, we can encourage ourselves in the Lord to stir ourselves up. So one of the things we have to do is stir ourselves up to stir our own faith up and just stir up the victory that's already won. You know, it, it's amazing to me how many people and believers that try to fight the devil. But I'm not going to try to fight a defeated foe. The Bible says he's already whipped. He's already defeated. You know, one of the things we see in the Old Testament is the fact that many kings would be paraded in victory in, in their own defeat. So... In fact, that's one of the things, you know, the Bible said in, in Samuel, when Samuel told um, Saul the word of the Lord to destroy Agag, destroy everything. But, you know, that doesn't make a good parade when, you, when, when there's nothing to come back. And that's, that's where he got in trouble with God. That's where he lost his kingdom. It's because he didn't destroy but a lot of these, these uh, kings would be paraded. So what would happen is they would put them to an open shame, to an open contempt. Well, the Bible says that Jesus put the devil to an open shame. That means before heaven, before hell, and before the earth, 
the enemy was paraded that he was, that's what the Bible means. He spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. You know, Jesus didn't die just in some room somewhere. He went to hell. He defeated the enemy, and he, he, he died publicly for us, hung on that cross, and spoiled principalities. In fact, the Bible said, had the princes of this world had the princes of this world known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. But they didn't know. They didn't know the power of the cross. They didn't know that that was their defeat. And so I want to just share for a few moments about encouraging yourself in the Lord. Encouraging yourself in the Lord. Look over in 1 Samuel chapter 30, and let's read in verse 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captive that were therein. They slew not any, neither either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So here the, um, the Amalekites, this group of people, they, they took all the people, but they didn't kill them. They just took them away as captive, as, as prisoner. And notice what it says here. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever cried till you couldn't cry anymore? Have you ever cried till your eye sockets just hurt? Yeah. Well, that's what, what happened here. They had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives. Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed. Now notice this. It's not enough that, that they lost their wives and he had his, his family is taken away. But notice it says, David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. David, is your fault. It's always the leader's fault, whether it is or not, you know. And it says, the people spake of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved. The Hebrew actually says bitter. When people get bitterness of soul, they're ready to do something. And it was every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David sat in the corner and cried out and said, poor old me. No one knows the trouble I've seen. No, he says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought hither the ephod to David. And of course, he prayed and asked the Lord. You know, he didn't sit down and just cry and, and just have a pity party. I'll tell you right now, some of the best advice you'll ever hear. And it's not because I'm giving it to you. <laughs> but it's some of the best advice you'll ever hear. Never ever 
under any circumstance, ever, never, ever, and we can go on and on, never feel sorry for yourself. Because that's, that's the way down. That's what the enemy wants to do. And I can give you several Bible examples about that. But notice what David did. He encouraged himself in the Lord. So there's going to be times in your life guaranteed without exception. And I'm not speaking doubt and unbelief. But there's going to be times you're going to have to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. To stir up the gift of God, the Bible says. And so that's one reason why the Bible talks about rem- uh, the word remembrance and remembering the victories God's brought you through. Now, we don't want to live in the past and we don't want to, the Bible says forgetting those things behind, reaching forth those things before, but you can remember the past victories that God's given you because it, it's a springboard in your faith to realize, hey, if he did it, he'll do it again. You know, the enemy will say, well, yeah, I know God's healed you 52 times, but this time is not going to happen. What? I mean, what's that? That lying devil. And so you remind yourself of past victories and know that God is still the same. Hallelujah. Listen what um, the book of Psalms, Psalm 42. Listen what the psalmist says in verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? He's asking a question. Sometimes you, you have to talk and say, hey, God's been too good to you. What, are you. what are you doing lying here? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of, for the help of his countenance. <clears throat> Hallelujah. So he says, why are you cast down? Hope in God. And I'll yet praise him for the help of his countenance. <clears throat> Over in Psalm 56. Psalm 56, verse 3 and 4 says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. And then verse 11 says this, In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. <clears throat> the Bible says over in 2 Timothy, very familiar passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul is, is exhorting this young minister, and he's telling him, he says, hey, I know that what was in your grandmother, I know the, the gift of God that was in your mom. I'm persuaded that that same gift is in you. And notice what he says in 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. He says, wherefore I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hallelujah. So notice, what does Paul say? He says, there's something on the inside of you. There's a gift on the inside of you. He says, I put you to remember 
that thou stir it up. He said, you don't have to go get, you don't have to go to the pastor of the church. You don't have to go over here to this one or that one. He says that you stir up the gift of God which is within you. So Paul knew that there was a gift given. But you know, it's not just going to rise and pop to the top. <clears throat> you know, like a, like a pop-up toaster. Whoever put like a Pop-Tart in there, you know, or you put that thing in there and all of a sudden, the thing just pops up. You know, the, Paul also said, meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them that your profiting may appear to all. You know, there's people in different sports and in different things. I mean, my sons love basketball. So, you know, you watch different people that, that play. You, you can tell the ones that have given themselves wholly to what they do. Why? Because their, their profiting appears to all. Amen. They're not just the guys that make a million dollars. They make 40 million a year, you know. So what he's telling him is this. He says, Timothy, you stir up the gift of God. Say this, it's up to me to stir up the gift of God. Amen. Like I said, you care more about your life than anybody else. So you're not going to say, you know what? I need something happening. Hey, you stirred up for me. Hey, Rama, you stirred up the gift of God for me. He's like, he's like you stirred up for yourself. You know, the Bible says, if any man is afflicted, let him pray. What does that mean? If I'm afflicted, I'm going through a test and trial, I'm going to pray. Let him pray. Not, not let everyone else pray for you. Let him pray. If any of you is merry, any of you happy, let him sing psalms. Let him sing psalms. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> so, what does that mean? That means I have to stir it up. I have to stir it up. I stir it up. What does that mean? Timothy, he realized that Timothy had a gift on the inside. You know, you, you just have to, you just have to, sometimes it just put hands on your own head. You just have to put your hands on your head and just stir up the gift of God. In Jesus' name. And say, Lord, I thank you for the gift of God that's on the inside. And I thank you, Father, even now I stir it up. Thank you that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Thank you, Father, I'm more than a conqueror. Thank you, Lord, that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. I thank you, Lord God, that I shall overcome. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Hallelujah. And then you do a dance like she did, like Sharon did. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But one of the things, why would you have to stir it up? Because what, what, what Paul is saying is let it arouse from dormancy. Things can be dormant in your life, and you have to stir it up. That's why Christ shall get... 
awake thou that sleepest, and Christ shall give thee life and light. You know, you have to realize that, hey, I've been asleep in an area. i got to wake up. Amen. And so, <clears throat> you stir it up, you encourage yourself, because God has already given you the victory. Amen. And I want to contrast two scriptures, two passages. The Bible talks about, in the book of Numbers, chapter 13, when, when the Lord tells them to go in to the promised land. How many realize that, that, that they had a choice? The Bible says, it's really amazing when you read the, what the Bible says. <clears throat> Here, the, the, you have three levels of living. And this, the Bible says everything that happened to them happened as examples for us in the book of 1 Corinthians 10. So when you read the Old Testament, don't just think. It, some people neglect their Old Testament. Don't neglect the Old Testament because when you see those things, don't just look at it and say, man, what's wrong with them? No, you, you realize that, hey, that's written as an example that, that I need not to, to do that myself. But one of the things you see is there was three kinds of living. You had Egypt. What was Egypt? Egypt was, they were slaves. They didn't even own their clothes on their back. They didn't own the house they were in. They were basically like an animal, a horse. I mean, they were just, they had no rights. That was what we would call not enough. But then God brought them through to a place where they had just enough, which is far better than Egypt. You know what's crazy? <clears throat> when you, how many remember Korah, Dathan, and Abiram? The Bible says that they influenced 500 or is it 250 people of renown people in the congregation and rose up against Moses and said, basically said, who are you? And they said, said uh, you know, they forget that Moses had performed all these miracles through the Lord. And all this happened, and the Bible says that, that they rebelled against the Lord. And, and you know what they said? They said, they spoke about Egypt and said that Egypt was a land filled flowing with milk and honey. Did they forget that they were slaves? Did they forget they had nothing? <clears throat> and the Bible says that, that the, the earth opened up, swallowed them up, all the they had, all their, their livestock, the animals, the people. And God said, that's what I think about rebellion. And, and um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's um, <clears throat> check it out there in Numbers uh, 16, I believe it is. But, there's a third area. And see, here's the thing. The wilderness, and I, I brought this up because of this. The wilderness was only supposed to be an 11-day journey. 11 days took 40 years. Now, what if you said, okay, we're going to go to Fargo. It's four hours. But we get there in 12 years. I mean, wouldn't you think there's a problem? Pastor Will, you're 47, you're 60 years old, you'll get there, you know, or something like that. That's what happened to, to waste that kind of time. But anyway, that's, that's what happened. God wanted them to go through that 
that time. Why? To, he was taking them through the wilderness, and that was right because they were to learn some things. They were to learn obedience and trust, but it was supposed to be very quick, and then them go into Canaan's land. Canaan's land is the land that's flowing with milk and honey. You know what Canaan's land is? It's not just Egypt where you don't have enough. It's not where you have, and thank God that when you, when you have enough, but you don't have any extra. Thank God your needs are met and God provides, but he's going to bring you to this other place where you have more than enough. <clears throat> and that's your ministry. And that's where you help other people. That's where you're able to help and minister to other people. And that's where God wants to bring us. Hallelujah. Amen. And so in Numbers 13, we see that what happened was the people of God had already said, go spy out the land and see that. And they went and spied out the land. Ten of them had an evil report. Why? Because they said, it's just like God said, but. <clears throat> There's walled cities. I mean, God never told them anything about there being giants over there. But to him, it was not even the issue. And so here they go over there and they look at it and they sit in their tents and they cry. There were some ten times where ten times where they God had finally had enough. And the Lord said, Okay. As you have spoken, that's what's going to happen. And what happened? Then they said, okay, we're going to obey the Lord. We're going to go up now. And the Lord said, don't go up. I'm not with you. And they go get defeated at Ai. <clears throat> and so here, here we see them going up and them trying to, to, to conquer but here's, here's what the people, the ten people, the ten spies, you had two that said, we can do it. We're well able. But the ten said, we're not, we're not able to. We're just grasshoppers. People have that grasshopper mentality. But contrasting that, the Bible says this over in Joshua chapter 1. <clears throat> now, we see that Joshua leads the people in to the land. Moses was not able to go in. But there's times when you have to encourage yourself. Can you imagine being in those 40 years and Joshua and Caleb, maybe they're sitting around the campfire and say, hey, you remember that? Remember what God promised us? I mean, they were not the only ones that went in. The ones that were 20 years and up, they didn't go in. But the ones that were born in the meantime, during that time, and the ones that were younger, they went in and prom to the promised land. But can you imagine them saying, you know, hey, Joshua, you remember that? Remember that mountain that God promised me? Remember that? And the Bible says that at, at some point, Joshua and Caleb were, were saying, hey, Today, I'm yet just as strong as I was when the day the Lord spoke to me. At 85, he said, now give me this mountain. And so he went in and possessed it. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> and so they had to encourage themselves. Many times they could have quit. They had to encourage themselves in the Lord. You know, hanging around the wrong crowd can cost you. Hanging around the wrong people can cost you. Amen. I like what um, Lester Summerall said. He said, I ch when it came to his boys, he said, I chose their friends. Amen. Because you had to watch out and, and watch over them. But look at Joshua. Chapter 1, this is uh, after Moses had died. And notice what the Lord says in verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. That's what the Lord was telling them back in Numbers. No one can stand before you. But you know what? They, they made the decision that, you know what? There's, there, there's, uh, there's giants here. There's the children of Anak here. And we're just grasshoppers. Which we know that's not true. Because when they went into, uh, here in Joshua chapter 2, the Bible says that, that Rahab the harlot said that, hey, your God, the fear of God is upon these people. And the Bible says that their heart melted for fear because they had heard what the great God had done. <clears throat> so no man can stand before you. So th there's nothing holding you back. Well, you know, my... My so-and-so, this person is holding me back, and they're not letting me. No, no person can hold you back. You know, my, my, um, my spouse or my, my, my dad or my mom or my whoever, no one is holding you back. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with, see, that's given too much credit to the flesh. That's given too much credit that, that, that they can hold me back. But notice he says here, not, there's not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. Who's that? That's God talking. The Lord says, I'm not going to leave you, and I'm not going to fail you. I'm not going to forsake you. Be strong. So do you think that, that Joshua had to encourage himself? The Lord is, is actually encouraging him right here in speaking this word to him. Be strong and of a good courage. You know, the Bible never says anything about being weak. It never tells you to be weak and pitiful. Now, this is a good southern term, but, you know, in, in the south you say, you know, someone gets, they just, they have a bad day, they just go pile up in the bed. My mom used to say that. You just, they're just piled up in the bed till 10 o'clock in the morning. Well, that means they just, they pull the, 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 the sheet down, <laughs> let everything go dark, and, and just don't do anything. Amen. <laughs> so he tells him, he says, 
Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people you shall divide for an inheritance of the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Let me just say this. <clears throat> the way of self-pity and the way of uh, feeling sorry for yourself is always going to zap your strength. And it's going to steal the, 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 the vigor that's on the inside. And you, you see this. It was never rewarded in the Bible. The Bible says that Elijah ran and, and, and ran from Jezebel. After killing all these prophets of Baal and, and Asheroth, and then he runs from her. Do you know that from that point on, the Lord starts speaking about Elisha taking his place? Do you remember the Bible talks about in 1 Kings, I believe around 21 or so, a man by the name of Naboth had a vineyard. And the Bible said Ahab, the king, wanted that vineyard. And the Bible said that he went and piled up in the bed. <laughs> and he is there moping and, and just, how many know what I mean, moping? You know, you just just sitting there and just, you know, just just mumbling. And his wife, Jezebel, says, what's wrong? Well, Naboth won't give me the vineyard. He, he's not even eating. And she said, well, I'll take care of that. Sets it up where they, 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 they put him before the people. Two people, said sons of Belial, came and, and lied against him, saying that he had cursed the king and, and, and blasphemed God. And they killed him. And then... <clears throat> um, of course, we read that the, the word of the Lord comes and, and says that, um, talking about Ahab and, and Jezebel and how they're going to die. The Bible says Ahab repented. And it's an amazing story because you see that God says he sees him humbling himself. Even a man that is wicked as him, he says, I can't bring that against him, but I'll bring it in his son's generation. But all that happened because of a man feeling sorry for himself. So just realize when those thoughts coming, those thoughts of self-pity, right there a man's life is in jeopardy because of the thoughts. So don't ever feel sorry for yourself. So, so what am I going to do if I, if I can't feel sorry for myself? <clears throat> I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. I'm going to encourage myself. Hallelujah. I'm going to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. <clears throat> Look in verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous. You know, it takes courage to change things. It takes courage to get out of the status quo. It takes courage to go from a place that, that's barren and a place that's bad to a place of fruitfulness. And he says... Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according all that is written therein. For then, everyone say then. For then you shall make your way prosperous 
and then you shall have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Now, what's amazing is Joshua has not even uttered a word. <laughs> and God said, hey, have I not told you this? Be strong and of a good courage. He tells him this repeatedly. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you, wheresoever you go. You know, the Bible talks about, in, in I believe, Isaiah 41. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. So why do we not fear? Why are we not dismayed? Why are we not taken back? Because the Lord is with us. Because God is with us. <clears throat> so why is this so important? Because just that one fact, if I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord, just knowing that God is with me. How, what, how do I encourage myself in the Lord? Lord, you said you would never leave me nor forsake me. Lord, it looks like things are, everyone else is forsaking me, but you're with me. Lord, it looks like everybody has thrown, thrown me away. But you said you would never leave me nor forsake me. I remember... <clears throat> Before I gave my life to the Lord, I remember I, all that foolish talk I used to talk. And how, you know, I, I claim to be a loner. And I just, I'm, I'm alone. And I remember one of my mother's friends. She, um, now Will. <laughs> just remember, when, you, when you're riding down the road, hey, Jesus is right there with you. And I always remembered that. It always stuck with me. I was like, wow, you're right. The Lord is always with me. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, the Lord's always with you. You know, I'm reminded of a friend of mine was telling me that he had a, uh, I, I knew this gentleman. We went to church together years and years ago. And then he moved off, I think, to Wisconsin. But uh, he, um, this guy said he was he was driving somewhere, and he just he, he happened to look in his rearview mirror, and there's a, an angel in the back seat that takes up the whole back seat. Well, there are angels among us. And the Bible says to watch, but be careful to, about entertaining strangers. You've entertained strangers unaware, angels unaware. And so, encouraging myself in the Lord. So how do I do that? Just a couple things. Remind, number one, remind yourself of what God's already said. I don't know of any other way to, to encourage myself. I mean, a lot of people just need a lot of superficial hilarity on the outside. I, I, don't, I don't need that. All I need is know is God's word. <laughs> because that's the only thing that's going to stand the test of time. Knowing what God said. Number one, knowing what God said. That's what he told Joshua. He said, meditate in the word day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall have good success. So how do I encourage myself in the Lord? Number one, remind myself of what God 
has already said. You know, sometimes we just have to remind ourselves of what the instructions already tell us. You ever tried to put something together without the instructions? I know men do that a lot, and then they have two or three bolts left over. You know, it's like, where, where do these go? <clears throat> so number one, remind yourself of what God said. Number two, pray fervently to the boiling point. The Bible says in Romans 12, 11, not slothful in business, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. What is my relationship supposed to be with the Lord? It's supposed to be white hot. It's supposed to be to the boiling point. Amen. It's supposed to make people either nervous or glad. <laughs> the Bible said, talking about Paul, they called him a pestilent fellow. Jesse DePlantis had a message called How to Be a Godly Pest. Well, you know, you don't, you just let that fire burn. So if I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord, I'm going to have to have a prayer life like I've never had before. I'm going to have to go to another level. And then number three, give God the praise. Give God the praise. I think about this, you know, like David encouraged himself in the Lord. The Bible talks about how David danced before the Lord with all his might when the Ark of the Covenant came back. He danced before the Lord with all his might. I mean, I don't know, maybe he looked like a bull in a china shop. I don't know. But, but he was just, he just gave it his all with all his might. And so, give God the praise. We, we see over in Acts 16, 25, the Bible talked about it. at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. If there ever would have been a time, now, now Silas had just started traveling with Paul. Can you imagine him saying, Paul, I sure missed it starting to travel with you. Or Paul, you sure missed it because, you know, if you wouldn't have missed it, here's what people think. I wouldn't be in this situation that I'm in, don't they? People think, well, you know, obviously, I mean, now, there can be. I mean, if, if you have, if you bump your head against the wall time after time after time, then sometimes we have to look and say, okay, maybe I did miss it somewhere. But I'm talking about if you're, if you're obeying God, if, if, if it was circumstances that determined the will of God, Paul was never in the will of God. Because the Bible talked about how he, he suffered shipwreck. He had false brethren. He had faults of, you know, this one and that one. And, and then, you know, he, he, he has this, um, he goes and has this, um, they're in the ship. They get out of the ship, finally make it out of there. He said, hey, if you'd have listened to me, we, we should have never, you know, left this place, basically. And then he said, um, but everyone's life is going to be saved. Well, they get out of that. They're shipwrecked. And they get up in an island, and then a snake bite, bites and holds on to him. And the people say, well, he, you know, he's a god. Now they say, uh-oh, he, what, what's he done? Why? Because they thought well, he must, he's, he's being judged for, for some kind of wrongdoing. But Paul didn't let that bother him. The Bible said he just shook it off, just threw it in the fire. That's what you have to do with, with things. 
Just shake it off. Amen. And so Paul and Silas, the Bible said, they prayed and. So you need to have that white hot prayer, but pray and. What, what is and? A lot of people haven't and yet. They haven't ended yet. What do I mean? You have to pray and sing praises. Why? Because if you don't get over to the praise part, you're not getting over in the faith part. Otherwise, you're just praying in unbelief and you're just praying in, in, in um, wishing. I wish God would do something. But they prayed and sang praises and the prisoners heard them. And the Bible says, and there was a great earthquake. God just, he couldn't stay away from that praise. It was the first jailhouse rock. God got a hold of that and just shook that place. And the Bible says the foundations of the prison were shaken. And all these people, it said all their, their bands were loosed and they got out. And in fact, the, the, the jailer, he said, oh, my job, I'm, it's, I'm done. And, and he was going to kill himself. He says, hey, do yourself no harm. We're all here. And the Bible says that he came in, he said, sir, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved and your whole house. And then they got baptized and they had revival right there. And, but what if, what if they'd have been like most believers? Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Lord, I've just been trying to serve you, but look what all that I've done. No, you, you just have to rejoice anyway. So say this, it's up to me to encourage myself. In the Lord. If no one does it, I'm going to do it myself. I'm not waiting on someone else. I'm going to instigate it myself. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. He used to have this song, um, well, that song, shut, shut, the, shut the Door on the Devil. It was like a, um, like an, like a Haitian, shut the door on the devil. The devil said, what? <laughs> Amen. It doesn't matter what he said. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, stand up tonight as we, before we go and. I tell you something, it's one thing that, that, that the heartbeat of the River Church and the heartbeat of me and, and the ministry that the Lord's given us is, I want something that works. I mean, theory is good, but, you know, there's only certain things that, you know, theory is a supposition based upon ignorance of the subject under discussion. And so... <laughs> That's what a theory is, and it doesn't get you anywhere. But this is real life stuff. Amen. And while, you're, while you guys have your hands, uh, you're holding hands, uh, let's just pray. Let's pray one for another. Father, we thank you right now. Lord, for those on our left and our right, Father, I ask you right now to bless them. Lord, to encourage them. Lord, I know that I'm going to encourage them 
myself in the Lord and we encourage ourselves. But Lord, we also can encourage one another. And Lord, let our faith, even as we just touch and agree with each of our neighbors. Father, I ask you, Lord, to meet every need. Lord, I thank you for encouraging them through me. And I thank you, Father, for overflow. Lord, fill them, each person with joy tonight. Fill them to overflowing. Lord, we rebuke depression. We rebuke, we rebuke that spirit of death. In the name of Jesus, you foul devil of hell. Take your hands off God's people. And we just thank you, Father, we have the release of heaven. Thank you, Lord, for the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, even now. And thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord, the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. Thank you, Father. We stir up the gift of God. We stir up the joy of the Lord on the inside. We thank you for it. Thank you for the victory tonight. Thank you, Lord. We go rejoicing tonight, and we go in your blessing tonight in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. And we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.